trade efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. Here in episode 38, we're joined by Abra Brahma, Principal Engineer at Locomation, where he shares his thoughts on human-guided autonomy and explains why it is the most practical short-term approach. He also talks about autonomous convoys, why automated vehicles are a feasible near-term opportunity to reduce emissions and improve the quality of life for drivers. We also discuss the challenges of reliability and robustness of automated vehicles and how they'll merge with a variety of powertrain options. Today we have joining us Avra Brahma. He's a principal engineer at Locomation. Thanks for joining us today, Avra. You're welcome, Mike. Um, thanks for having me here. As we get started, I always ask my guests um, because you know this podcast is named Mike Roth and Friends. I mean, how, how did we um, how did we come to know each other, Avra? And uh, do you remember? Yeah, I've, uh, so we I think physically we must have run into each other the first time at the uh, NACLI workshop in Indy that you guys had. Uh, the IMS event that you guys sponsored. I really enjoyed the event and the IMS. So uh, that was a great, great event to be part of. But I, I have been following your work a little bit earlier than that, actually. So, <laughs> you know, your, your confidence reports, the uh, NACFI work. So that's, that's been really good. Yeah, I get that. We're starting to get that, you know, we're, we've been at it 12 years. So there's a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a, we've had a reach and it's, it's uh, always rewarding to hear people, um, you know, caring about what we're saying and, and uh, getting into it. I mean, what did you think about the workshop we did and the, uh, you know, um, we actually stayed around for the IMS autonomous uh, car race. I mean, what did you think of that? NACFI has got a bit of a reputation for having workshops in cool places. Did we, did we, did we uh, live up to it in your mind? <laughs> oh, totally, completely. And um, I mean, that was a good opportunity you guys uh, made use of. Uh, we absolutely we should do more of that and um, you know even the workshop you invited a very good well-rounded set of people you had a very good audience so it was very very I mean it was both ways right I mean uh, learned a lot maybe said something that other people learned something from it and you know and plus the IMS event was a bonus right so uh, yeah absolutely yeah that's you know it's kind of how we do the work at NACFI you know we we kind of we learn something, we talk about it, and we talk about it in a, a place, hopefully, where, you know, we've got other experts and, you know, key leaders, or, you know, there, whether it's at an industry event or a workshop like we did in Indianapolis, and, and then we learn something, and we, and it's just like a, a, a constant 360 degree, I, I guess that's how, that's how learning and, and uh, you know, in the real world sort of really takes place. So, um, but I, let's step back a minute. I mean, I, I was prepping for this a little bit, and I look back over some of your career. And, um, you know, I think you and I have a lot in common. I mean, when I look at uh, our passion for, you know, alternative energy technologies and, and uh, you had time at Cummins, I had time at Cummins, and then we're both engineering graduates at Ohio State. Um, you know, I've got a little bachelor's degree, and I think you even have a PhD. So, uh, you know, you, you, you top me there, but um, walk us through your career, uh, you know, kind of what, what, uh, what excites you about what you're what you've been doing that leads you to what you're doing today for locomation and the trucking industry? Great question, Mike. Um, so yeah, first of all, go Bucks, right? Always happy to meet another Buckeye. And <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, like you said, I spent about ten years at Cummins. I, I before that, I had to spend about seven years at Ford. And I started out actually working. My first job, right, in the industry was really 
working on some regeneration, the DPF regeneration uh, controls. Um, so, so I started off with particular matter uh, mitigation and always I chuckle nowadays when folks say, oh, there's dirty stuff coming out of diesels. And I always think, no, that's, that stopped since, you know, 2010 probably, right? Um, so, so, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so worked on that. And as my career progressed, I, you know, as I moved more towards NOx mitigation, I worked on SCRs. Um, and last few years, I was actually working on some cold start uh, NOx mitigation together with, you know, efficiency improvements, GAG for the CARB low NOx rules. So, at, you know, so that was very interesting work, but so that was very good. And I mean, there's a lot happening in powertrain right now. Even now, there's a lot happening in powertrain, engines, emissions, every, everything. Uh, my interest was moving more a little bit towards system level. So, and you know, AVs, automated vehicles are a mega trend in mobility. So I wanted to extend and apply my expertise to that area as well. Um, and when I started looking at different companies, you know, Locomation's model was the most closely aligned with the way I thought that the technology uh, should uh, or could get deployed. I mean, that was the, you know, human guided or with a human in the loop. And we can talk a little more later about this, but that was most closely aligned with my view of how the technology deploys in practice. And so that was a natural choice for me for you know a, a new job basically. I didn't realize your particular matter in Knox work, so I, I may call you on a few other questions around <laughs> around that for the future. But um, yeah, so uh, I too have been intrigued with you know Locomation's view and of how, of how this will um, emerge. Let's say I mean you know as you think about new technology, uh, you know some. Um, you know, some people and, and, you know, even in, in truck automation, there's some that, uh, you know, look for, um, well, let's call it um, revolution instead of evolution, right? Some will jump to a, uh, you know, a, a more significant different state than what we currently have. And others um, will look at, at, you know, more of an evolution. And, um, you know, even when I first started thinking about you know, was was um, introduced to platooning and thinking about, you know, could we take this safety equipment that we called it into actually driving trucks, um, you know, an automated world. Uh, I had that first thought too. I mean, I was like, well, if there's this huge savings and this huge stuff for, you know, trucks being driven completely without a driver, you know, could we just jump to it? Or, you know, are there, you know, sort of um, little bridges or that's probably the wrong term, but steps along the way that this could be in a more emerging one. And I, I would definitely, I mean, t tell us uh, exactly about Locomation's um, view of how this will occur and what what um, what you and the company are driving there. Um, because many of us have seen, you know, Seton talk about it and, and others, but um, walk us through uh, Locomation's view on automation and, and the, the nature of how this is gonna take place. Yeah, so uh, basically, you know, our founders, like you mentioned, Chetan, right? Um, they have a very deep history on autonomy and they were part of automating a Caterpillar heavy hauler. Uh, probably might've heard uh, one of, that was one of the earliest commercial applications. So heavy duty with all its opportunities appeared to be normal fit for their background and exper experience. 
And the way they have brought it in is, is excellent. I mean, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of energy in this company. Um, they, you know, the, the whole idea is that it's evolutionary, obviously, like you said, and it's, 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 it's human guided autonomy is our mantra right now. And um, that is, we feel that the most practical approach in many different ways, from a multitude of different ways to bring autonomy to fruition. And, you know, there are so many different aspects, right? You've got to look at the technical aspect, obviously, right? That's the first, or one, as an engineer, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, but then there's regulatory aspects, there's operational aspects, there's the human factors aspect. And from all of these aspects, you know, our model is sitting in kind of a very sweet spot um, you know, that, that kind of is at the intersection of many of these aspects and seems to answer a lot of these questions simultaneously. So, so you know, the way we are progressing is we would, you know, start off with what we call the human guided autonomy or a product is commercially named uh, ARC or autonomous, autonomous relay convoy system with a couple of other supporting systems the autonomous relay network and the our uh, freight optimization framework. Um, so, so these are, you know, they all work together um, and uh, they will basically, uh, you know, that's how we'll pull it in. Now, eventually we may get to, uh, I'm sure there's a roadmap to get to full autonomy in the future, but the learnings that we get during this time will be key to have a very successful fully autonomous solution and even if we have a fully when it's not if it's when, um, you know, there's there's no reason why it couldn't be a fully autonomous convoy, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be a solo truck. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm reminded. I'm reminded of one of the run on less electric fleets last summer when we were interviewing them. Said, you know, um, uh, it, it, when when the when the wheels are turning, that's when we're learning. He said, you know. <laughs> so um, th th this uh, this concept of uh, yeah, I like I, I, I like it makes sense to me this um, human guided autonomy because we're we're taking advantage of the technology but we're um, learning and using using humans wherever possible. So uh, this this first phase this ARC I mean uh, for me it's helped think about it in terms of you're also um exploiting you know two two practices in the industry that are you know not as common but really do help efficiency and that is team driving mm -hmm. and um and slip seating so you know in team driving at two drivers one truck and uh you know a driver sleeps while the other driver drives and you can basically get double the miles out of the truck and then in slip seating you know the concept is that the um you know the or sometimes called dual utilization you know, one driver drives a, a shift, he gets out of the truck uh, or she and a, another driver gets in and, and drives it to get the, the same sort of high miles. Um, and, and so the concept here, you know, in simple terms, right, is that you've got two trucks um, platooning and, um, you know, when appropriate or when, you know, it's, um, it's deemed, uh, you know, approved and ready to go, that second driver of the following truck is um, is resting, right? Is that, that's that's kind of the, and so that gains a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, benefits, cost and fuel and et cetera. Do I have that right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So so um, yeah, I can get into a little more detail on that, but um, just at a very high level, the idea is that 
you know, when the convoy, so we prefer convoy, um, and when the convoy is formed, after the convoy is formed, the rear driver, basically the following driver takes rest. And basically that's their HOS mandated rest time. And by doing so, what's happening is there's two things that's happening. One is they're not, you know, right now drivers don't get paid for detention time. So they're making money while they're sleeping. That's one, right? And B, uh, the fleets are making money because that truck's driving. So, uh, so that, and now when the lead driver feels tired, takes a break or, you know, is required by the regulations to stop and, you know, rest, they would swap roles. The following driver would then, uh, you know, take over and basically uh, complete the rest of the mission. So basically um, there was uh, this uh, great uh, graphic I saw either from you or Rick, I don't remember, but uh, we, we kind of, <laughs> Uh, you know, mangled it a little bit, but the, the graphic was basically, we get about 22 hours of runtime. Uh, if you were just looking at a solo truck, they would just get about 11 hours because that they have to stop, you know, a conventional truck, they would have to stop. Um, so we get 22 hours per truck um, of runtime because then, you know, the, both are running continuously. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. I think in, in this, um, you know, learning and, you know, kind of crawling, walking and running, this is a crawling for like the long haul. And then, you know, of course, there's automation, we, we probably won't have time to get into it here. But there's automation in all kinds of areas with slow speed automation, backing into docks, all sorts of things. But, you know, starting with the, the highway driving and so forth. And, you know, I, I, uh, I, I ask this form of question of probably all of the product um, development people in auto automation, but, you know, sometimes I open a magazine and I see, you know, automation and I'm like, really, why are we wasting our time on this self-driving trucks? You got to be joking. I mean, I, so I, but I, but I've learned to appreciate and I get the technology, but, but walk us through, I mean, what do you see there as you start to talk to fleets and OEMs and governments and even the public about self-driving trucks? Cause I, I just, I'm a little shocked to be honest honest with you, Avra, that we're moving as fast as we are, given what we're talking about here, you know, big trucks, high speeds, um, kind of what's, what's, what's the current perception out there? And, um, you know, and, and what's, what's going on? Yeah, there's a lot to, you know, talk about here, actually. So, uh, you know, let's, let's start with the fleets, right? So, so, you know, you're probably more aware than the, of this than I am, that, you know, driver shortages, cost, equipment utilization, right? Common issues right now with the fleets. So I, our goal is to alleviate a lot of these issues in freight trucking and some of the recent studies by CTA, uh, you know, you talked about the public, right? So, so recent studies by CTA has shown that the customer sentiment is actually very favorable to automated freight trucking. Actually, it's more so, and not only more so, our model is actually more favorable to the public um, uh, than some of our competitors' model. So they favor a human-guided or human-involved autonomy as much being much more favorable from that standpoint. So that's mm -hmm. what's happening in terms of, you know, fleets are looking at solutions to, you know, obviously shortage. And you, you said something about speed. I think there's a bit of urgency here, uh, not just from, you know, obviously folks want to make money ASAP, right? I mean, we, we need to. Uh, get the supply chain things ironed out. But there is also the urgency from an emission standpoint. 
And um, the urgency, you know, people want to get real results by 2030, um, become net zero by 2050, you know, I mean, all of these things that's happening. And I mean, AVs, and especially our model uh, is actually, and I can talk a little more about this, um, is a very feasible near-term alternative to reducing emissions. So that really impacts the shippers. And um, I mean, I could go on and on, um, or if you want to talk about it, um, you know, basically from the shipper standpoint, they are under increasing pressure to be sustainable and reduce emissions. Now, if you look at their, you know, business model, the only realistic place they could potentially right away chip away at it is their scope three, which is their indirect emissions. And where does that come from? It comes from their, uh, you know, carriers, the fleets, and what technologies their fleets are using. And that's where we are presenting ourselves as a most a very realistic solution. So, um, you know, as an industry first, we sponsored an independent science-based data-driven study uh, of our environmental impact. And that report was uh, released recently and I can point you to it. It's on our website, locomation.ai. Um, the study was performed by a firm called Boundless Analytics, which is pretty leading firm in terms of these ESG analytics studies. And it, it basically confirmed that our, our benefits, such as a significant reduction in our GAG footprint, our fuel consumption, equipment utilization, and a reduction in operating cost. And from the driver standpoint, that is, which is I call the S aspect of the ESG, you know, the more I learn about what current driving, what current drivers have to face, uh, you know, I think this is a great opportunity to use this technology uh, as an opportunity to improve the quality of life for the drivers. Um, it's a great opportunity to reset the norms and expectations for the drivers. Yeah, we at NACFI, we reviewed that report. On, you know, the, the, the key fuel aspect of that is, you know, pairing these tractors up and gaining the fuel economy benefit of platooning and then also the, uh, you know, the lack of idling. So keeping mm -hmm. these trucks moving and basically, you know, I mean, there's lots of ways that I've been thinking about describing um, this, uh, but, you know, basically the, you know, in, in, in simple terms, um, you know, one of the two trucks is moving and, and hauling freight and rather than sitting in a truck stop, you know, where a driver's um, just sitting there uh, and, the, and the freight's not doing anything. So, uh, you know, there's probably some, you know, shippers and freight and third-party logistics changes that need to be made to take advantage of it. But yeah, we reviewed that report and uh, I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up. Um, what are some of the key, uh, so, so, so the, the public's more interested maybe than I was characterizing it and I should, I, uh, maybe I should, I should change my own opinions here, and uh, if I have one, and and then you know the the manufacturers and governments and so forth. So it, you know if there's this uh, movement going forward, what's holding us back? I mean, what are some of the barriers, Avra? What are, what are some of the, the keys to progressing this um, uh, more quickly? So I mean, my answer is uh, locomation, right? I mean, obviously, uh, because we are, I think, doing this the fastest that can be done. And, um, but from another standpoint, you know, there are a couple of, like I said, so being in the, you know, you've, you've been around trucks and, you know, uh, heavy duty vehicles have a much bigger useful life than passenger cars, right? And so there, there are some technical challenges to overcome, right? Obviously of reliability and robustness. 
And, you know, if you know, Knox sensors have to last so many hours in those harsh environments. And so do LIDARs and, you know, I mean, maybe the environment isn't in, as harsh for the LIDAR as it is for the Knox sensor, because it's sitting in an exhaust pipe. Uh, but, but yeah, it could be, right? It, it'll snow, it'll rain, right? Um, so, so all of these, the variations that you see in the, your you know, sensing environment, all of these traditional engineering problems are still challenges. Um, so longevity, right, reliability, um, the, these, these will have to be resolved slowly um, uh, or uh, quickly rather, I would say. Um, but till you get stuff out there, you won't be able to actually even know what the problems are uh, to a certain extent. Uh, you can only anticipate uh, what the problems are. Um, there are some challenges from, you know, maybe uh, a regulatory standpoint, especially for our competitors, I think, where, you know, if, if the driver has to go out and, you know, in the case of, you know, if they have to stop and put, put out a, the current rules, like, you know, you have to put out a, a, a warning sign. I mean, how are they going to do that without a driver, right? But yeah. locomotion has the answers because we have our driver. So, um, so that's not a challenge for us. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, again, I think this is a, a really interesting and, and sort of in-your-face example of emerging technologies or evolving is a term I used earlier where um, some of the, you know, you mitigate some of these issues. And so, you know, we see a lot of these um, uh, early demonstrations in the Texas, Arizona, New Mexico area. Makes total sense, right? You got weather, you got topography advantages. Um, you know, lack of of a lot of traffic and congestion, uh, and and you know, with the two driver model, and you learn, and you learn, and you learn, and you, and you keep just developing that. You know, we we both said we had a little reliability experience in our backgrounds. That reliability growth, they call it, right? That mm -hmm. that that increasing confidence through, uh, you know, applications that are um, maybe more uh, or easier on or or more. Uh, you know, in line with the technology, do those first, learn, change the product, improve the product, you know, cost reduce, weight reduce, improve performance, and then do it again and just keep doing it and, and expanding the applications. That really seems like the, how this is going to evolve. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you should come in to us and, and give us just exactly what you said, you know, we'll, we'll be happy to hear those words again. So... <laughs> Uh, how does this fit with uh, a few other things going on in the industry? I mean, have, have, do you guys sit around and think about how this will um, uh, merge with uh, electrification or hydrogen fuel cells or uh, other, let's just call it maybe powertrain technologies to simplify mm -hmm. it. I mean, is, does that matter or not? Yeah, this, we get this uh, asked this question a lot. And our answer, at least my answer is, we, our technology, the beauty of that is it's completely powertrain agnostic. So it, it sits on top of a powertrain. So, I mean, you could, I mean, whatever benefits you get with diesel, you will get a lot of that with electrification or with, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, hydrogen fuel cells, right? So whatever you know becomes eventually in the industry the the main uh, trend in the industry eventually. So so we uh, we don't feel threatened by that at all. In fact, uh, it's very compatible with any power any powertrain technology that comes on. And um, the other thing you got to think about is if they don't necessarily any of these technologies that you mentioned they don't necessarily have to compete also because um, there's a sweet spot for every technology. Uh, you know, 
uh, in the whole uh, marketplace. And they, you know, just because you've got a bunch of everything coming up at the same time doesn't mean they have to all be on the same thing. They could be at different, in different things and working together. So you just have to be smart enough to understand what the sweet spot for each technology is and make them work together. You know, one of the things that we like in trucking is to unbundle stuff, right? So allow features to, you know, be specced. And, and that, that allows us to spec trucks for this wide variety of uses, whether it's vocational or over the road, et cetera. Um, and so only bundling things, if it's actually required, um, you know, is key to trucking success, I think. So I think you're right on there. And I, we've thought about this some too. I mean, I think there is some operational one plus one might equal three when we think about charging and automation or fueling and automation and so forth. But some of that's a little farther down the road. Let's just get these uh, these technologies moving now. Right. And again, if you think of the first mile, last mile, middle mile piece, I mean, not everything has to be the same, right? I mean, you know, something might be well suited for a first mile solution, whereas something else is better suited for a middle mile solution, right? And yeah. which is basically our sweet spot. Right? Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So here's my killer closing question for you. So are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> you know, for a guy that was in the weeds on Knox and PM and, and all of that, uh, and, and now, you know, on diesel exhaust, uh, you know, that, that seems to be a very, you know, focused, detailed bunch of work that you did for a number of years. And, and now for, you know, months or a short time here, uh, you know, looking at these total vehicle fleet operational pieces and so forth. So what do you think we should be doing now on automation that we'll look back on and say, man, uh, you know, I'm sure glad we, we did that in 21 or 2022 because uh, that moved us along quicker. One of the things in my mind that we should be doing is, more rigor. I mean, because you know, the there's a push to make development trends smaller, obviously, and we want that. But there's a reason why, you know, development cycles were three to five years in the industry, right? And so there's a lot of safety involved. So, so somehow, uh, that one of the ways that things that AV should be doing industry is figuring out how can you do, achieve the same level of rigor in a shorter time. So that's one, one thing. Um, and uh, from, you know, then also educating the public, that's where NACFI comes in big time, right? And, and with, your, with your studies and, um, you know, in the confidence reports and all of that, um, you play a huge role in educating the public, the customers and, and the general stakeholders, right? Everyone. We did a report a few years ago, we called mm -hmm. Defi Defining Production. And it is, it does talk to your first point there about, you know, reliability growth and knowing when to when to stop testing and go formally into production? What does a series production of a truck mean? And there is a lot of pressure to do it faster. And with that, a lot of risk in getting things wrong. Hey, really great conversation, Avra. We got into some things that, that I've been wanting to talk about around truck automation. So I um, really appreciate you joining me and thanks for doing so. Absolutely, Mike. Brady Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Rosen Friends.